This is the Wizards Nightshirt Podcast, episode 74. Shirt. This is episode number 74. I'm Scott, and here with me are Goofy's handler, Will. I'll be a dog, but not like Pluto. And... <laughs> uh, bathroom attendant at Disney, Rebecca. <laughs> you don't want to know the things I've seen here, kids. I got the better job at time. <laughs> I'm a dog, and that's good. Uh, at the Wizards of Nightshirt, we're revisiting He-Man, Master of the Universe, and She-Ra, Princess of Power. Today, we're reviewing episode number 122, holy cow, of He-Man, Search for a Sun. This is also our monthly lightning round episode. It's lightning round 13! <laughs> During the lightning round, we'll be pulling out the stopwatch for a quick review of several episodes that happened in between our main episodes. And as always, you can check the website at thewizardsnightshirt.com for our episode guide and follow along. Uh, but now let's hear more from Scott uh, about this week's episode. It's important for you let's. to say that part. I'm saying it. You gotta say it well, so we know why Scott starts talking. I think what's confusing <laughs> is that it's it's labeled Segway, and it's kind Don't of a Don't tell same. people I'm that. I'm not telling people secrets. You have to have it here. They for have the to se- know the secrets of Grayskull because they're <laughs> listening to our podcast, and that's why. The- you have to have that here for the same reason that you can't just cut to other scenes. You have to show a man walking from one room to another <laughs> in a movie, or people no, will be confused. We just do a star wipe from scene to scene to star scene. Star wipe and Scott. <laughs> yeah, there we go. The air date was November 28, 1984. I don't know why I'm talking like that. On this day in history, people were watching David Lynch's movie adaption of Dune. Not really, but maybe. That was the one where Sting... Is this this when it was on TV or just when it was (laughs) released in the theaters? Uh, The theaters. This is when Sting had the the metal underpants and and Picard... Picard was in that? Uh, I'm calling him Picard, but yes, (laughs) Patrick Stewart was in it. and Yeah, it it was super weird. It was super weird. It's I, weird I, even I, as far as Dune goes. I saw it in the 80s. That's that's why I don't remember mm-hmm. it. I think they're going to make a new one. I love I love Dune. They got weird as they went, but it was a good, good yeah, series. Yeah. Some good, what is it, eyes? What's the eyes? What's, what's Oh, the, the Fremen with the blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. Aren't yeah. they on the drug or whatever? Yeah, the yeah, melange. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, you strike me as the kind of person who has gotten some like different colored contact lenses for your eyes to be freaky at some point in your life. Have you done that? I have not because they were too expensive. Oh. I, think, I think I would have. Well, so so I, I you got a so, wallet I, chain budget and, <laughs> exactly. and colored contact dreams. Yeah, I've, I've I've seen some of the colored contacts and um, I thought the cat eyes were pretty cool, but the problem was with the cat eyes is they turn in your eye. So then you have one cat eye, and then the other cat eye is, like, sideways. So then it looks really weird, like your eye's winking at you or something. <laughs> and you're just like, what is happening with that guy? Probably a respectable cat man here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is just the believability goes right out the window. <laughs> exactly. Terrible. And if, if I could get reptile eyes, is that the same as cat eyes? 
So we're going to get snake injections in reptile eyes also. So yeah. Scott is fully on his way to transforming into a snake man. Yes. And in this episode, Mechanek is blackmailed in exchange for his missing son. Take me to him, Count Marzo, please. Nothing would give me greater pleasure. However, I must first ask a favor of you. Anything. That's, that sucks for him. <laughs> it does. Now, you were recently at Disney World. Yeah, that's that's why the earlier theme, that's why I was kind of going with that theme. <laughs> yeah, where you did kinda... not lose any of your children, thankfully. Although yeah. I, I imagine uh-huh. it's, well, no, I, it's probably not too easy to lose them for good at Disney World. Probably for like one minute and then. Uh, yeah, you know, we lost Grant for on one it. minute. It was not, it was not wonderful. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, we no. were just talking about that recently. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. It, he was like, he was like hiding. It was like. A, hiding? There was like a, it wasn't hiding. It was like, well, maybe he was, maybe he was hiding. But he was like standing. Uh, There's like big metal, you know, rafters or whatever. And he could like fit in the middle of one. So if he's like standing behind it and we're like looking around for him, you couldn't really see oh, him. Oh my God. So he was just like standing there, probably like laughing or whatever, like they can't see me. And we're like, Grant, 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 like freaking out because there's just a bazillion people yeah. there. But uh, yeah. Grant needs to quit hanging out with Lukey. That's, <laughs> my, that's my thoughts. Exactly. So child leashes, good idea? Um, I saw a couple of those actually. <laughs> um, I, my, my kids are, uh, the older, older one was perfectly fine. The younger one, he was. I carried him on my shoulders a lot, so he wasn't getting away because uh-huh. he was—he was too tired. Yeah, sure you are. Yeah, <laughs> just an excuse. But yeah, uh, Scott's sitting here with a Groot stuffed animal on his shoulder. By the yeah, way, yeah, it's—I uh, have baby Groot. It's yeah. a sh- shoulder Groot. I thought I'd bring him along just for the show. So he I'm, seems to enjoy it. I was maybe wondering if your son's plan was just a ploy to, you know, be like a freewheeling orphan child. When I found you, you were wandering, lost. I saved you, and this is the thanks I get. I want to be with my father, not you. Very well, scoundrel. Because that was something that I remember being kind of a big deal in the 80s, and mm-hmm. I know we played at that a lot when I was little. <clears throat> Seriously, and then, you to know. To be an orphan child? Yeah, like, to be, like, we played orphanage with our Cabbage Patch dolls, which <laughs> was appropriate. <laughs> they were from the orphanage. They were from somewhere. They were from a Cabbage they Patch. They were from the Cabbage Patch. Okay, but like... Orphanage. The Cabbage Patch, they don't have any parents. <laughs> cabbage, I guess that's true. Cabbage, cabbage can't, can't be your parent. <laughs> cabbage yeah. can't raise a child. <laughs> Gonna tell Cabbage to make rules and do a chore chart? I don't think did so. We, so I, actually, I'm just thinking about this. Did, did Cabbage Patch kids just make up a story that took over storks? Like they took the story away from storks? I guess so. Like, so. Babies are coming from cabbage patches now. Or maybe the stork dropped the kids off in the cabbage patch, which is also weird if that was what it was. I think it was maybe something like that. And then they just eat they eat the cabbage to stay alive. Yes. And then they become cabbage patch kids. Yes, and they have terrible gas. Yeah. <laughs> because that's I what happens that. when all you eat is cabbage. But we played orphanage. And of course, you know, like uh, Punky Brewster was a big deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, uh, the boxcar children. Wait, they didn't have parents, right? I don't know. I didn't. I read those loved stories. the boxcar children because they also got to live in a train car on their own. And uh, that's that's what this story was about. Yes, they oh. lived in a boxcar. <laughs> I thought they were boxcar children. Were boxcars? The Transformers, but old timey. Yeah, yeah old timey Transformers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> burp, 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 burp. 
We're, they just they did it real slow instead of fat like. Burr, 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 burr. That's how they transformed. Pardon me, boys. Are they the old timey Transformers? Yes, yes. We're the boxcar kids, and we're here to run the rails. <laughs> it's like the Newsies, but they're Transformers. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was that was pretty good. <clears throat> Evil forces, the rail car tron. <laughs> Uh, good. Like, all right, boys, shove us some more energon cubes into my chute. <laughs> I gotta go. We gotta draw the golden spike at noon. <laughs> oh, look, it's star steam. <laughs> uh, Optimus Rail Line is here to save us. <laughs> and Rumblebee. Oh, great. Now it's time for a special musical number bar. Good friend Jazz. Wait. <laughs> What are you doing in this? I would win this one too. I'm playing jazz. He's still just a regular <laughs> transformer. Yes. <clears throat> he's he's just he's the sad transformer that rides the rails. <laughs> okay, so what I'm hearing is not a lot of fan for boxcar children on this podcast, but no. I loved it and they were orphans and um or they were missing their parents. It's a good superhero beginning. Maybe yes. that's why maybe we had a lot of um Orphan super. I mean, Spider Man kind. I mean, he has aunt and uncle, but anyway, parent, the missing parent, parent yeah, anyway. Superman. Yeah, yeah Superman. Superman. Oh, yeah. Man. Man. Yeah. Everybody didn't have parents. Did, did, does DC always have orphan, I orphan get, kids? I'm, I mean, Aquaman. I don't know Aquaman's, <laughs> I don't know Aquaman's story. <laughs> He's a dynasty of some some kind. I'm not up on Aquaman either. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Ninja Turtles. You pretty much hard Punisher. to get a start if you have parents. It's hard to be well adjusted, be like, we we applaud your decision to go into superheroing. You need a missing parent to do it, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to have nothing left to lose. Yeah, I'm surprised and, and, y'all I mean, didn't... we can segue back to Disney, too. I mean, all the Disney stories. Oh, that's just, true. Just, yeah. Yes. It's, it's one, two parents, yeah. whatever. Just get them, get rid of them. <laughs> Gotta feel sorry for them. It's hard to hard to be great with well with, with your family put together. I guess <laughs> they couldn't have put that into too many He Man's because it would have been like kids don't kill your parents. Although they did not pull any punches uh, in this episode, they did not seem too sensitive about anything as they, we'll get into. They really did. This is Duncan. Congratulations, your HMO covers telescoping bionic necks. Tell you all about it in Act One. Keep your eye on the Chupra, boys. Shall we begin? Yeah, why can, don't can we? Can I begin by saying, is this the most shoehorned in tragedy that we have ever seen? <laughs> if a, shoe, a tragedy can be shoehorned in. <laughs> any any medium. Consider we cut from frisbees to uh, Duncan getting real with some children. That, yeah. I, I guess that's true. Real fast, too. It was ridiculous. He lost his son a while back. Boy about your age. He really misses him. Really? So so to set the scene, there, uh, <laughs> Mechanek is in the palace courtyard playing Frisbee or whatever they call that game with uh, two identical-looking children. One of the children catches the Frisbee and remarks out loud that he sure does love playing with Mechanek, and then Duncan overhears this, and he cannot wait to tell somebody <laughs> about Mechanek's tragedy. Yeah. He's like, oh, you do? This is really, in, it happened in the blink of an eye. It, it happened so quickly. Well, I the was, kid says, I love Mechanic, but he seems sad. Doug's like, he is. <laughs> and now he's very sad. This is very serious, children. Pay attention. You're not to have any more fun in, 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 with your frisbees today. <laughs> it's fun to play with Mechanic, but sometimes he doesn't seem very happy. He isn't. And playing games with you reminds him of his son. And then also, is Mechanic just waiting for him to throw it back? Oh, hold on, I'm telling them about your missing child. 
<laughs> so, so that is this this, this tragedy. Well, what would be funny is if, because the kid threw it back, if Mechanek already threw it, and while Dunk is explaining, it hits the kid in the head or something. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Why aren't you listening? And then it made me feel a tiny bit bad that I have uh, made fun of Mechanek for just always hanging around the royal palace, the courtyard, mm-hmm. and, and then in the throne room also. And then, of course, in the past, I was like, ugh, he needs to get some friends. But then, oh, the problem is he's terribly lonely. <laughs> I feel so rude. And then, of course, uh, the reason is because his son went missing many years ago. They were out just uh, enjoying their time on, like, a, a Dragon Mountain or whatever, yes, wherever that Dragon was. Dragon Mountain. Okay. And there wasn't, there wasn't a major plot thing that happened. Just a storm kicked up. He lost him in a thunderstorm. Yeah. yeah. Scott, does this happen to you when, like, it rains? You're like, uh-oh, where's my kids? Like, <laughs> I, lost, I lost at least three kids that way. <laughs> right? Tornadoes. They just get sucked away. You're like, oh, dear, there's some rain coming down. <laughs> Come here, children. There, Where'd you go? There was a lot strange about that. So we, we in that very short period of time in the flashback that Duncan tells tells the kids about, or he was about your age, also, which was a funny detail. Uh, the kid, his kid Philip, is a little blonde-headed boy. He plays the flute, and also here's another funny part: Mechanek, who has had no tragedies uh, strike him at this time, looks exactly like he does now. So he's this man with the polygon-shaped head and the goggles <laughs> and. The uniform with the fuzzy underpants, and he looks nothing like Philip. And Philip has none of this going he on. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Scott. No, you're fine. I, I was, I was curious about that too. Like, what, yeah. what happened to his neck? Like they said, he had, a, he had. A, after that point, he had to get a metal neck. Yeah. Like also, like. Why are you wearing a helmet like that already? in the first place? Can you explain that point? Yes, he, so he's already a little bit mechanical, and yet his son is just a boy. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, I guess that's what I was trying to say. Well, I think that Philip was kidnapped from some other parents. That's yeah. what I think. <laughs> he's not a mechanical boy. And then, so Mechanic, um in, in the storm, loses his son, and then also apparently breaks his neck very badly, although we see him just kind of walking around rubbing it like it's he a little bit He fainted from sore. the pain is the genteel way of saying that eventually but for a while it's like he just kind of overdid it at the gym a little bit like he's just kind of like oh my neck's a little so when duncan finds him he has a couple of options a he could just fix this man's neck or b he could give him a bionic neck (laughs) he decided he probably wants a bionic neck he doesn't know it's available oh yeah He, he, he went to attorney of lowe's and they they had they had a regular neck there and a bionic neck. Yeah. And it was only like $5 more. Which one are you going to buy? Definitely the bionic neck. He's a big believer in the campsite rule where you have to leave something in better condition. You find a body, leave it in better condition than you found it. <laughs> it's like a campsite. You don't leave, not only do you not leave garbage, you have to pick up some garbage. You need to give it a claw or something. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. man wants to be Inspector Gadget. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. You have to let him, like, yeah. Like, there, it can't just be, he can't just be a regular man when he can be mechanic. And to be fair, that will be not only his defining characteristic in the future, so much so that we don't even know about his missing mm-hmm. son for a long time, so well done, Duncan, but then also his only personality trait, as we know nothing else about him, nor do we care. So well done on the mechanical neck there, Duncan. I just think he 
he has some just shady stuff going on in his past. Like, he's just the kind of person that a lot of tragedies happen to. It's like, this neck was totally unexpected, but, like, you don't want to hear about the time when I had to get goggles implanted on my head. And, yeah. like, my, my helmet that doesn't come off. Maybe he stole that kid from somebody else. That's what I think happened. And then now he's upset because he spent so such a hard... He spent so much time trying to steal it from somebody else that he lost it in a storm. Yeah, he had trained him to play the flute. No, well, that's... Well, that's... <laughs> what's his name? The mustache man. Well, he was already playing flute when he was outside with... Uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but th- didn't didn't he? Yeah, later. Oh, but he, he taught yeah. him how to play evil flute. Oh, oh, okay. Like right. evil Even magic. Better. Yeah, like evil flute that compels people to do stuff. Which, frankly, if we're gonna pick up a flute, that's the kind of flute you need to be playing. Yeah. Just ask Jethro Tull. Like, can can you learn that in elementary school? <laughs> that would be so much better if you could. School like, band concerts like, are way you're way like, you better. You want you want clarinet, you want flute, you want evil flute. You want drums. Definitely evil flute. You get triangle. I'd like to see the practice book for evil flute. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, don't look at it too long. It will take your soul. (laughs) So we had to unpack all this. And so Duncan can be like, here's your frisbee back, Mackinac. Just tell him about your desperate loneliness. (laughs) (laughs) It happened so quickly. Okay, they know about your desperate loneliness. Here it is. Mm-hmm. And then also, don't you just wonder, because of course they just jump to the present, back to the present very quickly. Don't you just wonder if Mechanic probably didn't give up his search for Philip a little fast? It was like, well, my son's lost. I got a mechanical neck now. I'm just going to hang out here. I okay? fainted. I couldn't do anymore. <laughs> right. He's definitely gone. What happened to his son? Mechanic returned to Dragon Mountain many times to look for him, but he found nothing. Still, he believes that somehow, someday... They'll be together again. Philip can't find him anywhere. Dead, dead, dead. <laughs> like, how many, right? Like, how many places could you, like, stow a boy? I couldn't like, think of any more places to look. <laughs> Dragon Mountain, out. Anywhere else, I don't know. And so uh, we find that Philip has been the ward of an evil wizard this whole time. Uh, who apparently picked him up from the rainstorm where he didn't even get very lost. He just kind of got minorly kidnapped, I guess. Um, this was a really intense storm, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's got kidnapped by uh, this Count Marzo. And who's the most noble man I know? <laughs> Why, me, of course. And Count Marzo has, like, the evil goatee. He looks like... um. He looks like the Alan Rickman uh, Sheriff of Nottingham from Robin Hood, kind of. He's got the the evil goatee thing going on. But then he's also got, like, pantaloons and the puffy sleeves. Yes, he's got the puffy Elizabethan sleeves. And yeah. he's got that on his thighs, too, which is a oh, lot of look. He has the thigh-high boots, too. Yeah, and thigh-high boots. Yeah. So. And then also, his color palette, it's like ketchup red and mustard yellow and then like the green of olives so he looks like something you put on hot dogs <laughs> he does like burgers do what or hamburgers or hamburgers or hamburgers. yeah get hamburgers they're due rebecca <laughs> yeah pickles pickles yeah it is sort of a pickle green yeah i'll i'll, I'll allow it okay yeah that's uh it, it's a lot of look and he carries it off with a plum and his and his, his his thing he's got Philip doing is since Philip can play flute, he's taught him how to play evil flute, so that uh, Philip can um, can uh, beguile people while Count Marzo runs scams in the bazaar. So he plays evil flute, everyone's enchanted, and then Count Marzo just goes and helps him to stuff around in the market. And then and so we're, we're 
seeing Philip at a critical time here because apparently this is the moment where he decided to not help Count Marzo. Because presumably this is his scam he does all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like, but this is the very moment where Philip is just like, nah, I'm not going to play evil flute for you anymore. No! I won't do it! I won't use my flute to help you steal! And then Count Marzo gets busted by the shopkeeper. You fool! And then he decides to set his sights on loftier goals, which is the throne mm -hmm. of Eternia. Nothing less than the throne. Perhaps you're right. Why am I wasting my time with a bag of gold when I deserve the throne? And you'll be my bait to trap the king and queen. So this is the uh, so this is the blackmail scheme, right? So Count Marzo's plan is to make Philip's head appear in the sky to taunt uh, Mechanek, and then he wants uh, Mechanek to deliver the king and queen to him in exchange for his son. And this will work out conveniently because it's time for the royal friends to go on a convoy to visit the bee people. So he could have Mechanek just divert the convoy to him. Yeah, they just love those bee people. They're going to show us the wonderful healing properties of bee pollen. See to the preparations, will you? Also, <laughs> you really do. Did you notice that when Count Marzo goes to confront Mechanek and tell him of his plan, he greets him by the name Mechanek. I assure you, Mechanek, you are not seeing things. It is indeed your son. <laughs> he calls him Mechanek. He's uh, he's kept up with him. Apparently he has. I was yeah. like, how did you know about his Mechanek? You wouldn't have known that. You couldn't call him Paul at this point. We well, could just call was, him... Did they say his name before? I don't think so. I what his name was before? Mm-mm. Oh, no, so he I guess just he might have always been Mechanek. <laughs> he might have been. He's <laughs> like, I never knew what my name meant. I <laughs> hoped one day I would have a bionic neck so my name made sense. So that's probably pretty rude of everyone in the palace to just call him Mechanek. He's like, you know, I, I do have an identity outside of my neck. Maybe he doesn't feel that way, though. Maybe it's Mr. Mechanek. This is Mechanek, a soul trapped in Christmas toys in Act 2. Deliver the king and queen to me, and then I will deliver your son to you. What? Why? So it was it was kind of funny. I don't really <laughs> know Nick. what I expected from Mechanek, but I thought it was pretty funny that um he was pretty firm in his principles that he would not go along with this plan. In exchange for his son, he would not deliver the king and queen. He would not do this for his son. <laughs> I mean, if he does, then he'll have nowhere to hang out for the rest of his life. Because, you know, that courtyard was really, it's really, it's the center mm -hmm. of his world. They did save his life. So. Did too. So Mechanek tells Duncan immediately what happened, which I thought was funny. Was, that is what you would do. I mean, so. Yeah, yeah why, why, why wouldn't you say, I'll go along with it and then go tell Duncan? Instead <laughs> of saying, I won't go along with it. And then he, the Mechanek has not practiced good judgment. Okay. Okay. We do yeah. not take our sons in the thunderstorm on Dragon it's Mountain. <laughs> this is true. He yeah, lost yeah. a kid in the thunderstorm, so I guess he's not really great at plans. He got sucked away, I swear. <laughs> I swear. It was a big win. Does, does Duncan or someone formulate a plan? I'm trying to... They don't really have a plan. They, they just, just agree to proceed with the convoy and be careful. Okay, yeah. So that oh, I, it was it seemed a little vague there. Although I do like this convoy. We've got... Yeah, uh, it's a big convoy. Everybody's got a toy. Everybody's, Who's playing with the toys? Everybody's got a mm -hmm. toy. Okay, so in Wind Raider, we've got King Randor, Marlena, Adam, and Cringer in one vehicle. Mechanic's going it alone. What's he riding? He's in, in the uh, the battle ram. Okay, he's in the battle ram, and he's being a scout, sort uh -huh. of. And then we've got Duncan and Tila and Orko in a tag track also. Yeah. So this is a very weird, big uh, convoy that you could actually probably recreate with your toys yeah 
I like that. I like when you got the toys doing stuff. Did they have a King Randor toy? I don't think they had. They did. I mean, like back in the day. Yes. Okay. I think he came with like special promotions and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like Burger King's kids. Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got the King Randor toy. <laughs> Throw it away, what, son. Are they, what are their secondary characters? Can we get real cheap? We ain't taking that home. <laughs> we'll see. So everyone in this... I co- got Queen Marlena. <laughs> if it was the astronaut version, that would be awesome. Yeah, the astronaut is cool. Uh, but probably not. Would not have been. No. It it's, the, been. it's the version that drinks wine and takes a nap. <laughs> there you go. So everyone in the convoy decides... She's like mommy. <laughs> She's just like mommy. Half, half-lidded <laughs> booze nap action. <laughs> When she takes a I sip, just go back when she to takes Earth. a sip, she closes her eyes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sharp-tongued, half-lidded action. <laughs> You're just... not a king. <laughs> not to me. <laughs> I just get my spaceship and go back home and... That sounded like Duncan, John Duncan Wiley. fixed it for me. I can do loop-de-loops. <laughs> she can't do loop-de-loops. What luck. An oasis. Everyone in this convoy decides that they need to go to the bathroom. And so they pull over at an oasis, literally <laughs> in the desert at this point. And it looks lovely and like a nice place to go and I guess go to the bathroom and maybe there's a Sbarro in there and they're going to get some pizza by the slice. That's closed. <laughs> it's a, it was a it's Quiznos. Closed. Oh. It was a Quiznos. They're supposed to be kind of on their guard, like, you know, here you escort the king and queen kind of to the oasis and let's be careful because, you know, bad things could happen, I guess. But they're all just kind of stopped there. And, of course, they sh- were right to be paranoid because it turns out that the oasis was just an illusion by Count Marzo to trap them. And he does. Marzo. Well, Mechanic, I see you like my little oasis. And you've been kind enough to bring the king and queen. And I would say at this point in the episode, the episode gets very noisy. There is a lot of stuff that happens. Yes. I, I think the important thing that occurs here is they fight with Count Marzo. He summons some pterodactyls in the melee. He absconds with the king and queen. You lose, E-Man. And then, oh, oh, sorry, oh. Who's, who's the big purple lurch guy? I was going to say, let's not forget the purple manservant who can wink in and out of existence as he sees I, Hey, have you guys seen him before? Kind of no. I don't believe I so. I think it's a good description, though. I thought of Lurch, I, and I thought of Mr. Hom from um, Star Trek Next Generation. Okay, uh, yeah, I would uh, agree with Luoxana that. Luoxana Troy's um, manservant. It's kind of like him. I, I, Same actor, I think. I think he played Lurch also, actually. I think I've seen Car- yeah. Count Marzo before in one of my lightning rounds. Then he's uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen yeah. Purple Man before. I've okay. definitely seen Purple Man. Okay, or Pink Man, whatever he is. So they fight with him. They do yeah. fight. I had a, like I had a hard time taking notes because I was in denial. It was just <laughs> all so weird. And then here's the most confusing part. Did you notice this? Okay, so at this point in the action, He Man runs up to where a tag track is parked, where. Duncan, Tila, and Orko have just been sitting there the whole time. And he goes, you got here just in time. I saw did that. I, I did notice that. But like, they've been in the parking lot. Like, they've got, like, you know, like, so, like music playing on the console. Duncan looked dazed. It was he, hilarious. It was. I almost felt like it was an animator joke. You got here just in time. Marzo's got the king and queen and Philip. Oh, no. We better find him. Because it they was were like really for, funny. They forgot to do stage direction for what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, they were just sitting. 
sitting in the parking lot. They were just waiting as the windshield wiper should have been going. He's like, I got the engine. I didn't want to waste the gas. Like the establishing shot of of him running up, it was just them sitting in a tank track. Like you got here just in time, perfectly. He's like blinking. Well, it's the best would have been if they're like, they got to listen to this joke from a tank track about Ram Man. <laughs> They're just sitting in there listening to Wait jokes. Wait a minute, E-Man. Yeah, you know, you know that a track, attack track is just in there gossiping about everybody. <laughs> Can you believe Mechanic is such a dork? <laughs> yes, he is. I don't care if he ever finds his son. Like attack track, that's rude. Like, I'm just saying what you're all thinking. Oh yeah, and then they're like in there playing I Spy, or you know, like like let's count out of state license plates while we wait on He-Man. <laughs> Where do we start? Well, oh, this is Count Marzo, and I get a good burn on He-Man in Act 3. <laughs> do not try to escape from this alcove, because if you do, you will awaken the giant Jolik. <laughs> so now Queen Marlena and King Randor are trapped in Count Marzo's, I don't know what this is. It's some cavern or something that he has them in. Cave of Illusion. Okay, Cave of Illusion. I think it's illusion. a real cave, but its entrance is hidden by not cave. And so uh, Philip is there with the king and queen. And because it's a scary cavern, there's a giant spider. And this is the same design as Fisto's spider, if you remember that. <laughs> and, uh, and Philip plays the flute to make it go asleep. That does happen, and then meanwhile, on the surface, the bee people are, have noticed that the convoy has not arrived to there yet, and they see Tila like fighting on some rocks, and the pterodactyls come and swarm her. This sounds insane, as I'm saying it. And then uh, Buzz Off like catches her in midair. That also happens. Boy, am I glad to see you, Buzz Off. Your timing is great. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. So we're we're just slowly pushing everybody toward the cavern. Uh, he man's he man uh, and Orko find a secret entrance and and leap over some cacti to get in there. That was crazy. Uh, so anyway, we cut back to uh, Philip and the the royals. Uh, Philip runs away from the spider, but trips and falls into a crevasse. Just when I was thinking he was resourceful for an attorney and child, he just is dumb. Just trips mm-hmm. and, falls. and he's hanging on a spider web in there, but not spider's not there, but a giant scary wasp is uh, coming up after him, and that was pretty cool and scary. Uh, at this, I, I'm just gonna keep going. Well, it, you might as well because it was a lot of detail and none of it was particularly important. <laughs> like seriously, uh, uh, He Man and, and them they fight Mr. Mr. Hom Lurch uh, a little bit and he gets all wet in the water. And now everybody is, sees uh, Philip dangling on the web. So He Man throws his sword to cut him down. It's like one chance, and it does work. And uh, Philip is able to. Uh, come down and then they have words with count marzo wait a minute doesn't mechanic also lower his neck for yes. philip to climb yes on? that's how he gets out yes that is the stupidest thing <laughs> it did his little neck came came it down did. So hang on to my neck boy it's like mm-hmm. rapunzel but very weird put your arm around my neck and hold on let down your neck <laughs> he's like all right <laughs> It must be very, very reinforced, the neck, because, like, you would think that it would be made, like, I don't know, like, you know, the pipe that your dryer vent's made out of? That's how I'm imagining his <laughs> neck, and you can just, like, <laughs> squeeze it a little hard and put dents in it. It's like, I'm going to have to hammer these out. 
Philip, you should have been more careful when you were climbing on your father's neck. But like, <laughs> what? I don't know. And then, so when they have their little wrap-up, like, discussion, Count Marzo is like, okay, well... This you was know, funny. I did enjoy this. Like, I may be back for this next again because i'm gonna outlive you he-man which is the first time we've been thinking about he-man's mortality ever that was funny because he said he's lived a th thousands of years and he-man's like well i'm about 54 <laughs> so <laughs> it's like um is he-man gonna die when is he gonna die that was really funny to make the kids think about that yeah <laughs> like mommy i'm scared it's okay he-man's um, eight we don't know we have no <laughs> idea how old he-man yeah. is Eight and Earth years. Am I going to die, Mommy? Like, yes, someday, but not for a long time. And He-Man will first. <laughs> right. You get to watch everyone you know and love die. It'll be great. Yeah. Including me. <laughs> but then you'll be a superhero. <laughs> right. And then you'll be like Philip, and you can learn evil flute, and then you can use it for good. Marzo has a funny line or two. He, he tells He-Man that you make it hard for people like me to live a better life, which I thought was a hilarious take from that villain. It really <laughs> made me like him because you sort of... He's trying to hustle. You see his motives. It's not just evil. It's that, it's that he's, he's... He's ambitious. Yeah, he wants a better life for himself. Yeah. And He-Man says, a better life for nobody but you, or something like that. And I will outlive you. In the end, we'll see who rules eternity. And then we get to the moral, which is Tila basically saying, be careful and, like, don't fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, some of us almost fell in this episode. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. That was it. And that was all Don't fall was. into crafts, kids. They're not nice. It's not how fast you get there. It's getting there safely that counts. See you next time. So, uh, did we did we think about ratings for this before we get to the lightning round? Um, where I have enjoyed talking about it. I was very confused while I was watching it, but I'm feeling in a pretty good mood. So, you know. Yes, yeah, same. I liked the beginning of it a lot because it was it was strange, and I always loved the origin stories. But I didn't I didn't I didn't care for the action craziness at the end. But I did like all the toys on the screen. Ah. For general weirdness, I'm going to give this one a 4.1 evil flutes. Wow. Okay. That's pretty generous. It was weird. I like when they get weird. And I just love the shoehorned in tragedy. It's like, oh, by the way. I just, I can't get enough of that. I like the beginning a lot. At the beginning a lot. So I'm, I'm going to give it a uh, 3.3, I think. Oh, my God. What a big jump. Yeah, I was going to say... Uh, 3.6. Y'all making me doubt myself. Yeah. You know no, what you well, like. It was, it was fine. It, it was, you know, the, the origin story was pretty good, I think. You know, but not well written. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. I do, you know what? And I do like Count Marzo a lot. He was pretty funny, and, and, the, and his, his manservant was also great. I, I'll bump mine up. 3.6. I'm going to go 3.6. Okay. feel better about that. You're a generous man. Do you feel like if you were a young kid, you would like this episode a lot better just because the action scene and all the toys and stuff? No, I think I'd been upset about the beginning of it. If the I was a of kid, it? Okay. I so, would... So if you, if you were a kid, what would your score be? <laughs> a million! Yeah. Uh, Infinity! Uh, I don't know. Two? Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't have stopped. I just put on the same videotape of the one I like, probably. Oh, right, right, Infinity right. plus one. That's how yeah, this one doesn't have Skeletor in it. Screw it. Well, that is always disconcerting he when you don't see the, the people it's, that you like. It's true. Yeah.
It's time for the lightning round. This is our 13th round. And if you've been looking at our episode guide, you may know that this is our last lightning round mm-hmm. ever. Holy moly. Good, good for our personal lives, but it's sad. <laughs> Not sad. It's I fine. can actually watch other TV shows now. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> we still have a few more episodes left to review, though, including the movie. And we have future plans for the show that we'll share very soon. So just because He-Man may come to an end, our friendship doesn't have to. That's- True, and we still have, and we still have a good bit, a good bit of show left too. But. I done said that, Will. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right she now. She was nice about it. She's good. We're all good. Well, right now on our thirteenth and final lightning round, we've got lots of kidnappings, <laughs> a trip to the zoo, Twiggets getting in trouble, and someone goes to prison. I think a lot of people go to prison. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We didn't specify who. And then they get out, so it's all right. Whatever. You ready? Go. Oh, I was going to (laughs) say. Wait, wait, wait. No, never mind. I got to say the episode and everything first. Say the episode. Okay, this is one of 12. This is Scott. This is me. (laughs) Uh, He Man, episode 124 The Toy Maker. Orko learns about strangers. It's wonderful. All right, go. Okay, the toy maker just walks into Snake Mountain randomly and proposes to Skeletor that he can help him uh, uh, with his evil plans. And Skeletor tells him to capture Man at Arms, and he goes, "All right." Uh, toy maker gives uh, meets up with Orko, gives him some toys, and Orko just takes the toys and takes him back to uh, take him back to the castle, and um, ends up showing him Duncan in his workshop. Duncan's roaming around at night in his workshop, and then they're they're giant toys, and they capture him. Um, uh, in the morning, uh, everyone's around. They 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 look for Duncan, and they they find out he's missing. Um, and then they get Ram Man, and they go try to find him. Uh, he Man defeats uh, the giant toys. Orko talks to a giant toy maker head in the sky to learn the secret words to control the toys. Uh, they capture the toy maker and defeat Skeletor. Um, the moral was, uh, don't play with toys from strangers. Really, I'll say. Really. I mean, uh, you just turn giant and hurt you. We seem um, twisty. Yeah. Uh, 3.8 evil nutcrackers. All right. That actually sounded pretty good. I like, I like a lot of that. It, it, it wasn't bad. It was just, it, there was... Just, I like a toy-based villain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Skeletor really wanted to ruin something <laughs> it was it was funny it was just random like the toy maker walked into his and he's like what are you doing here and he's like i want evil plans and you're like all right well okay. there you go we're reverse listening you're like maybe today. you should lock the door all right will it's will's turn okay two of 12 this is he-man episode 125 bargain with evil in which the star child is kidnapped Whee. star child's back yes Oh, sweet. Okay, a daughter of this king, Bard- I guess a princess, bargains for her father's return from uh, the ruler of an evil dimension. This ruler is called Angast, and he makes lots of hissing noises. He's a, like a three-eyed goblin. He goes, a lot. And so uh, he says, fine, bring me the star child, and your father can get out. So uh, the star child in her onesie uh, shows up at the palace, and um, and she shows up with her hot 
hotshot uh, bodyguard lady who's basically a female Robin Hood. Adam turns into He-Man to show off He-Man to his guest, and we see he has a sword holder in his room. Um, the bodyguard and He-Man go storm the kidnapper's uh, castle after the uh, Star Child gets kidnapped, and they get transported to the evil rim, and they uh, escape Angast's court and run to the Temple of In-Between, where the Star Child can use her power to uh, make interdimensional travel, but she's too stupid, so uh, the bodyguard has to link minds with her so then they can get out. And um, Orko at the end says he would have whooped Angast, and Cringer makes an Angast shadow puppet and scares Orko. Uh, so I'd give this three eyes, like Angast has. Well, he'd made a shadow puppet with his paws? Yes. Oh, okay. It was real strange. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, you want to you try and keep rolling. Uh, you got three of 12. Oh, yeah, oh right. yes. Will's, okay. Will's next again. Yes, this is, uh, uh, yeah, I'll do another one. This is episode 126, Capture the Comet Keeper, another old friend. This is Zagraz, who gets kidnapped. Yes, Zagraz see, is back. Another kidnapping. one. So long. Right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, one of Zagraz's comets, Doodles, is being mischievous, but it has a good heart. The comet's called Doodles? Yes. No. The cosmic comet was already evil and easy to control, Skeletor says, so he'll have trouble with doodles. So he's going to try to control Zagraz to have control of these comets. Comets. Uh, it's it's <laughs> doodles. That's so stupid. He's only got. He's, he's, he's only got a minute. Come on. Oh, this doesn't count. This does not count. All right, it does all right. Doodles. Well, you gotta uh, keep that in. Zagras uh, shows up in uh, Snake Mountain and uh, tells Skeletor, "There's no reason for him to be evil." And Skeletor says, "I care for no one, and no one cares for me." And uh, the comets keep causing uh, natural disasters because they're going wild now. Teela and He-Man crash land at Snake Mountain to rescue uh, Zagraz, and Two Bad falls in some mud, and one head says, yuck, I fell in the mud, and the other says, better you than me. Uh, He-Man and Teela uh, break into the th uh, Skeletor's throne room and say, all you think about is fighting, and Skeletor says, I think about ruling Eternia more than fighting. Fighting's a close second. Uh, Doodles uh, crash lands and is all right. He chases Skeletor out of the snake mouth into the mud, and we hear that uh, fighting isn't the only solution to our problems. I stopped <laughs> doodles. 2.9 doodles. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Why, why is it 2.9? Why isn't it like 1? Because doodles, doodles was funny. Doodles oh, right. And uh, Skeletor was in rare form. Okay. Doodles? What? If you're going to name a comet, why would you name it Doodles? Because you're Zagraz. That's why. You name a comet Blaze. And he like hugged Doodles at the end. He, he loved him. <laughs> what? Oh my Doodles. This episode was wasted on you and I feel like I need to go back and watch it because I need to see Doodles. <laughs> He's a yellow circle. That's what you're missing. Seriously, he a hugged. A yellow circle. He hugged Doodles. And he got, at the end, yeah. He got a hug from, from Doodles. <laughs> yeah. But did it talk? No. Did Doodles, he didn't talk. But they could sense his niceness and like Tila would like pet it and stuff. What? This is so good. Are what you kidding that? me? I have to no. watch this. Yes. Doodles. That's like the funniest, cutest thing. They just thing. ran out of ideas at the end there, <laughs> didn't they? Oh, Doodles. I love Doodles. I love Doodles. <laughs> This is my little one, Doodles. Oh, he's very timid, don't you know? And he sometimes doesn't do everything I tell him, but he has a very good heart. Are, are, are you going to be able to handle the next one? Rebecca? I don't think I can. Okay. I don't think I can. I want to be thinking about Doodles the whole time. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> my episode, which was not about Doodles, 
was He-Man Season 2, Episode 127, The Ancient Mirror of Avatar, in which Moss Man gets stranded on an island, kind of. That didn't that sort of have what? Was this He-Man or She-Ra? Did I write this, this down is, wrong? This is He-Man. Okay. So this is a weird mission. Prince Adam is on a sea voyage, and he's taking a leading archaeologist, Malektha, to find the ruins of the lost kingdom of Avatar, which was an ancient and powerful civilization. And so they take Moss Man for some reason, who keeps getting like really annoying and he's creeping out the archaeologist by talking to plants all the time and like getting information from other plants. And then also Trapjaw is on the ship spying and he's disguised as a crew member, which is as ridiculous as it sounds because he has like an outfit and everything. And so they uncover he's this ancient- metal. He's still metal. He's got like a little like like do rag over his head. It's hilarious. He's got like a little like bandana and like a little pirate earring. It is ridiculous. <laughs> and it, it is actually there's it's pretty funny for that reason. But anyway, um, so they uncovered the ancient mirror of Avatar, which has a face appear and says that it can answer any question about Avatar. And the archaeologist is super excited because of research. And then Evil Lynn, who is spying through Trapjaw, wants this mirror because it knows that some spells she can do from this ancient civilization. Okay. Meanwhile, there is a bored child in the ship who is derelict in his duties and he's going to wreck the ship through his negligence and he does so during a storm. But then He-Man picks up the ship and Moss Man convinces Kelp to fix the ship. And then the dad, the boat dad, lectures his son about how important boring jobs are. So the mirror was just a bait and switch and the real episode was about how important a boring job is. Which is kind of hilarious, actually. And they really want you to like Moss Man. This is like a Moss Man showcase, if you want to see that. So, I give it four plant gossips out of five. Okay. Well, they should show him being gross and not adorable. That's how we like Moss Man. Yeah, it was, it was kind of gross. I don't know. It was like you shake his hand and, like, moss comes off on well, your that's hand. that's pretty gross. Yeah. It was pretty gross. So, we'll review episode 128, The Games, in a future show. Is it about those weird arena people? The games. Different people, I think. Oh, I wanted to see them again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It might be. We'll see. Okay. All right. It's me. Uh, five of 12. Um, this is uh, He-Man episode 129. To save the creatures. Uh, Beastman goes to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it starts off with uh, Beastman setting up a device to control to control the animals. Beastman is is mad because uh, a scientist is trying to take Beastman's job because he's setting up this device to uh, control the animals, and that's what Beast uh, Beastman does. So Skeletor uh, wants to ruin Randor's party uh, with some crazy animals. So He-Man has to defeat some purple monkeys and then uh, some crawlers, which are giant snakes. He-Man uses his sword as a tuning fork uh, to drive the snakes away, and he has to, like, shoves it in the ground and, like, shakes it, and it's, it's a whole big thing. Uh, the scientist releases a giant beast into Rander's party, ruining Rander's party. Rander does not want to kill the beast because he, he doesn't want to hurt any mm -hmm. animals. And he's like, I wish He-Man was here, and like, He-Man's like, I'm here. And you're like, what? What's happening? And uh, so, uh, so He-Man comes in, uh, takes, gets the beast, saves him. Uh, Skeletor is mad at the scientist, and Beastman gets his job back, so that's good. Um, He-Man sends the animal's uh, control device back into Skeletor's ship by like launching it from a tree, and it literally launches from a tree and it has bees in it, and then th it goes through the ship, and there's bees in the ship. It's 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 actually pretty funny. Um, Everyone goes back to the party and has a good time. Uh, 3.5 horn cats. 
<laughs> yeah, that sounded really. That sounded pretty good too. Yeah, it was. It, it wasn't that. It wasn't that bad of an episode. It was pretty good. Cool. Yeah. He Man, episode one thirty, the Cold Zone. Cobra Khan asks for help in the last produced episode of He Man. <gasps> All right, the palace friends are playing with Duncan's bionic pigeons when Cobra Khan comes rolling up in the land shark. He says his reptile people are in trouble and they need help. He-Man, Duncan, and Orko agree to follow an attack track uh, who does not like land shark. He calls him Smiley. Cobra Khan says they need to relight the eternal flame inside the snake temple because now his people are freezing and will go to sleep. But the reptiles think He-Man put it out. The situation gets straightened out by the court jester. Uh, and Cobra Khan's punishment for all this trouble is to become the Jester's new assistant. The bionic birds never come back or are mentioned again. Uh, I give this one four unused bionic birds. It was quite good. That sounds good. Yeah, the cold zone was interesting. So did Cobra Khan like become good after that, presumably? Or he's uh, stuck in the court of the uh, reptile people oh, forever. Oh, so he just, he's just yeah neutralized. Yeah. Maybe Duncan can come and enjoy some laughing. <laughs> the jester was pr- pretty good. He did lots of upside down stuff, and the king enjoyed it. And he would turn his head upside down to appreciate it. It was kind of funny. That sounds great. Yeah. Like a cat. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was cool. Interesting. Yeah, a snake can't exactly clap. I guess. Okay, Becker has some. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-uh, I mean Scott has some. Yeah. I saw the word Shira. It's me. Scott, who was much <clears throat> like Shira, has one. Yes. Uh, okay, this is Shira episode two or season two episode sixteen. Just the way you are, Glimmer gets kidnapped, and it's weird. <laughs> All right. King Darkspur wants to uh, Glimmer's hand in marriage. He's a big deal. Comes barging in, and Glimmer runs away. Prince Adam is there uh, because he wants to go to the circus, and uh, there's a whiny kid that juggles, and his his dad ignores him. Because he's a juggler and his brother's awesomer because he's a he's a um, acrobat. Uh, King Darkspur captures Glimmer uh, because he thinks that she spends if she spends time in the dungeon she will change her mind about marrying him. Drew, the whiny kid, is captured with Glimmer. Adam and Adora join the circus and sneak into King Darkspur's castle. They give him a show. Shira drills into the castle and rescues Drew. Then Adam uses the elephants um, and tells them to save, to take Glimmer. He-Man and She-Ra change and they, they beat all the bad guys. Drew finds out that his dad really does love him. So that's all good. Um, 2.6 elephant tricks. It was not wonderful. <laughs> I'm glad his dad loves him. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those like, ah, my dad doesn't like me, blah, blah, blah. And it was like on and on. And yeah. I kept hoping that we'd hear that Prince Adam got to see his good friend Crackers at the circus. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Never no. Crackers. Um, never that. I, I, it's, it just seems that these later She-Ra's, they just keep bringing back He-Man or Prince Adam mm-hmm. or yeah, whatever else. I think sh- everyone pretty he much. He showed up yeah. in mine too, yeah. So we reviewed season two, episode 17, The Locket, in a previous show. And that brings us to lightning round eight of 12. This is She-Ra Makes a Promise, season two, episode 18. She-Ra goes to prison. So it's worth mentioning, first of all, that the episode opens on a shot of Lucky looking at you and like pans out, which is unbearable. (laughs) So anyway. Uh, to impress Adora, Sprocker sets off to find some golden spuffles which grow near the Fright Zone. And they're mushrooms, like truffles, that grow like a whack-a-mole game. 
It was ridiculous. He gets swept up in a current of a river, and he gets captured by Octavia, and I was thrilled to see her. All right. Yeah. So Hordak ransoms Sprockerty at She-Ra to come to Hordak alone and unarmed, and She-Ra agrees to be prisoner to never escape if Hordak agrees to never harm the rebels. And she's going to keep her promise, but then she mentally summons He-Man because apparently that's a loophole in the promise, I guess. And then, of course, Hordak instantly breaks his promise, and She-Ra, addressing the viewer, surmises that her promise is now null and void. So she and He-Man rescue the weird. rebels from the transport to Beast Island. It was weird. Three equivocal promises out of five. <laughs> What's the deal with all the uh, fourth wall stuff? I don't know, but How she sure enough did. Like, you had to tell kids. It's like, well, he broke his promise, so now my promise isn't good anymore. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it works, That's She-Ra. not a good lesson anyway, even if you understood it. It was a real bad lesson. How weird. It was pretty weird. Well, we reviewed Season 2, Episode 19 through Episode 22 in previous shows. So now, Rebecca does... Uh, She-Ra, Season 2, Episode 23, Portrait of Doom, in which the Twiggets get a magic painting, or magic painting supplies is what happens. Okay, the Horde is fed up with the Rebels, and Shadow Weaver has a plan to start picking them off one by one by preying on the personal weaknesses of one of the Rebels. There is a festival coming up. It's the festival of the summer moon, and Bo can't decide whether he's going to do magic or play loot for it, because it's like a talent show for some reason. Okay. There's also a twigget named Sprint, whose talent is rapid cartwheels. Very weird. So Sprintina, lacking talent, is duped by Catra and Shadow Weaver to use painting as her talent, and she's given magic paint. And then if a painting of you is made with a magic paint, it zoops you to another dimension. And Sprintina paints a lot of portraits of the rebels before anyone catches on what happens. And now it's left to She-Ra and the unpainted dregs of the rebellion to help Queen Angela and Glimmer defend Catra's assault on Bright Moon. While Madame Raz investigates the magic paintings. And uh, so the Fright Zone was basically left unattended at this time. So the Twiggets basically just walk inside to get the paintings back. It was kind of weird. Four talent shows out of five. And then also, weird lesson, don't waste your time wishing you were like someone else, which is what Lookie tells us, which is a great lesson. However, he mentions that Spartina was sad that she couldn't play a musical instrument like Bo. And I'm <laughs> like, that's well within your grasp, Spartina. He is not very good. <laughs> that was just a bonus, though. <laughs> but it was uh, it was weird. It was kind of enjoyable. The paintings were weird, like when they're like it was like a lifelike portrait of the person, and they were like inside going like, "Help me!" Oh my god, <laughs> that's kinda, a little creepy. <laughs> it was it was kind of weird. That sounds bizarre. It was it was very weird. All right, Will, you've got ten of twelve. What you got? Yep, this I is. I mean. Yes, this is He-Man. I uh, know. Is it He-Man? No, it's She-Ra. I wrote He-Man, but, but it's She-Ra. <laughs> and then also, do we only have 11 episodes? But yes. we numbered them of 12? Yes. Okay. Yes, well, there are 11. We'll invent an episode of the last <laughs> one for, for parallelism. Yeah, okay. All right. You got it. Fair enough. <laughs> She-Ra. <laughs> 10 of 11, I guess. Season 2, episode 24, Hordak's Power Play, in which She-Ra allies with uh, a pirate. I mean, a pilot. Okay. <laughs> These are English words. Let's go. Okay. All right. So Hordak uh, sees uh, this spaceship and he uh, figures out that it's the Argonians who are a very advanced race and he wants their uh, power cell from their ship because he can make an incredible force field with it. So he shoots the ship down 
When the ship crashes, their very uh, big pilot comes out and everybody keeps remarking that he's an eight foot tall man and 300 pounds. He mind controls some villagers to fix his ship and he has a hard time explaining to Shira why he did it. And also he's obsessed with food and she asks why and says, you ever seen space food? And they're little pills and they keep acting like this is real funny. Uh, so anyway, they, uh, they all uh, bust up in Hordak's fortress and uh, Hordak uh, can't control the power of the power cell which is going unstable and eventually uh, She-Ra gets the power cell out of there and they get Larg, that's the big guy's name, they get his ship fixed and uh, give him some picnic baskets of real food for the way back and he apologizes again for bossing around the villagers but he was just so upset. So uh, <laughs> 1.5 space food banquets, it was Terrible. <laughs> so the, the, uh, was it was space food was like lost in space where they had just pills? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. That sounds pretty rough. Yeah, it was really rough. So 11 of 12, which is actually 11 of 11. Don't worry about numbers. Um, I have She-Ra, season two, episode 25, The Bibbit Story, in which the rebels talk the Bibbits into fighting. Okay, we open on She-Ra single-handedly stopping a horde attack on Devlin, which was led by Mantena. And She-Ra beat up so many horde robots they, that they now have to build a new factory and they need new workers for it because She-Ra just whooped them all. So Hordak is going to do this in Bibbitland, an idyllic wooded era, area full of nature and populated by Bibbits, which I can only describe as ginger lookies with tribal <laughs> face paint. Oh. Yeah, it was rough. The Bibbits capture Bo and Adora, thinking they're from the Horde. And so the Bibbits are trying to live in peace here, and they brokered a deal with Hordak. But then these two rogue Bibbits take Bo's bow and Adora's sword and vow that they're going to fight the Horde. And they're insufferable, all of them, and they all have terrible voices. But I did like when um, they attack a Horde trooper, and he picks them up, and he says, That's enough, short stuff. And she goes, I'm not a stuff which is kind of hmm. funny. But I really mainly just tuned out because I'm just too old for this. And then they managed to get the capture Bibbits using their wits because they didn't have their sword. Um, and then Adora finally gets her sword back. She whoops everybody. 2.5 questionable life choices out of five. Excellent. And the Bibbits, <laughs> they're like Lucky, but they like God smack. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. And that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be reviewing Season 2, Episode 26 of She-Ra, Assault on the Hive, in which Skeletor falls from a ladder while trying to spray a wasp nest. It's, it's pretty funny, actually. It's good. It's a good episode. And if you'd like to follow along with the show, you can find our episode guide at thewizardsnightshirt.com. If you have questions or comments for us to discuss, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And thank you for listening, and please remember, if you have a mechanical neck, volunteer at your local fire station so you can rescue kids from wells. should be so late. I have a funny 
feeling all day in my end. 